Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Mem Zayin. Today's shizli for Rafua Shleima of uh, Malka Bas Rivka and Chaya Masha Rivka Bas Zelda and Batya Bas Nachama. They all have a complete and speedy recovery. <coughs> and uh, yes, yesterday we were discussing the story with uh, Elisha when he helped Yericho. We're going to see, so I'll give the background now. Basically, Yericho were having... Uh, the, the, their water was all ruined and they were having trouble. So Elisha went in and he uh, fixed the water. And when he was leaving, a bunch, uh, a gang of youngsters came and started uh, attacking him. They uh, were cursing him and throwing stones at him. So he uh, he cursed them. And two and some bears came out of the forest and they killed uh, 42 um, of the youth of those youngsters. Um, it's not clear with a, how, what the age was exactly. That's a bit of a discussion in the Gemara. But and it turns out they were they were no good. It wasn't like uh, they weren't really necessarily deserving of it. They were no good, and no good would come from them. But that's the uh, that's what happened. Um, so we're going to continue in that story. Oh, we we point out that one of the reasons that they were so upset could be because they they had made a parnasa of uh, importing water. So as soon as Elisha fixed the water, then they were out of a job. So then we were going from the last line of Memvav Amudbeis, 46b. Two bears came out of the forest, and they killed, tore apart two and um, 42 of the boys. One says it was just a miracle, and one says it was a miracle within a miracle. The one who says it was a miracle is that there was a forest, <coughs> but there were no bears. And the miracle is that uh, some bears happened to be in that forest and ran out and killed the youth. There was neither a forest nor bears. So the miracle was is that a forest shot up and that the bears ran out of it. So, okay, so, but why did there need to be a forest then? Just let the bears uh, appear and come and attack the youth. Why need the forest? So to be 80, <coughs> because they would be afraid. Rashi explains that the bears, wild animals, are only brave to attack if they feel that they have an escape route. So the bears would never have felt confidence to attack if without that. I mean, it's quite interesting. We're discussing a huge miracle here, and at least there's some aspect of it being natural. You know, that the bears would be brave to attack. Um, but that's the, yeah, I'm sure there's some deeper significance to this machlokas, but I'm not sure. Because of the 42 sacrifice that Balak, the king of Moab, sacrificed, 42 youth, Jewish youth, were killed. Um, remember, Balak wanted to curse Bnei Israel. He wanted to stop them and to get uh, um, to get Bilam's curse to have effect. He offered these 42 sacrifices, and the, at the moment, our assumption is the reward for them is that 42 Jews died. Says any and Marav, but wait, that can't be. Rav Yehuda said in name of Rav, a person should always delve into Torah and mitzvahs, even if it's not lishmo. Because if it's not Lishmo, it will come to Lishmo. Because of the 42 sacrifices that Melech, that Balak offered, the king of Moab, 
and she merited to have Rus, who merited to Shlomo came from her. She had Kosov Bay, and it's written by him, Elef Oilef Yale Shlomo, and Shlomo was able to offer a thousand sacrifices. When Shlomo was inaugurating the base of Midash, etc., he was offering uh, thousands and thousands of sacrifices. So that's, uh, so his reward was that he merited to have Rus, and uh, Malchus Beis Israel descends from him. So what do you mean his reward was that he got 42 youth killed? He says, Oh, and oh, what's that got to do with anything? That uh, Rus was the gr- grandmother, great-grandmother of Shlomo. So, Rus was a daughter of Eglon, a descendant of Balak. So, the, so, so our question is, what do you mean his reward was 42? So the Quran answers, the 42 youth that died says, Tavosam His intent was for a curse. I, his sacrifices were bought for the sake of the curse. So when Elisha issued his um, curse, it triggered that, those sacrifices, the, the korbanot of uh, Balak, and it caused the death of 42 youth. I, there was that curse almost hovering over, waiting for a chance to attack. And this is when it manifested itself. But you're right, that wasn't Balak's reward. His reward was the kingship coming from him for the 42 sacrifices. His reward was that Shlom... Yeah, yeah, now we're going back to the beginning of the story. The men of, of the city said to Elisha, As you can see, it's a wonderful city to live in. But now you've got to look at the rest of the positive. And it sounds... Uh, it sounds amazing. What's the rest of the apostle? He says, it's a wonderful city, as you and Lisha can see. However, the water is bad and it's causing people to die. So what's the obvious question on that? But what's so wonderful about it? So what's good about it? A place finds favor in its residence. Pardon? You ask anyone from any other country, and they're like, what? You're living in a country where there's low chanting? We're like, it's only, it's only stage three. We can handle it. <laughs> Just, it's a pity because tonight is going to be stage six. Well, I mean, it's, 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 all, it's, it's all over. You ask anyone, they're like, yeah, I know this list of problems, but it's a wonderful place. It's got such wonderful malas. And everyone says that about their country. When you hear that, I mean, uh, I don't like giving the comparison, but Tochi and Israel with terror. But, yeah, we know there are rockets flying over and landing in our city and our playgrounds and stuff. But have you seen what a wonderful area Ashkelon and Sederot is? You know, so uh, every, everyone has. It's a meter that Hashem created that people, they have this affinity to where they live. Omar Rebbe, uh, I know my grandfather used to often uh, say, I don't know, Tang Chi, a little bit of a chrism on Jews, says that... He says South African Jews are the only people they sit drinking a fancy whiskey. He's, he used Shivas 12 in those days. Now you'd have to say single malt. He said they sit drinking a, a Shivas complaining about how bad things are. <laughs> but, that, but that's the people I love their place. Omar Rabbi Khanin, Echein Mokom al Yoshvav. And that's what Rabbi Khanin said. Yeah, a place finds favor in place. Omar Rabbi Yosman, Shloisha Chinosheim. Hashem blessed the world with three things that find favor. Echein Mokom al Yoshvav, Echein Isha al Bala. Uh, place finds favor in its residence, a woman finds favor in her husband, and a, a purchase finds favor in the buyer. Are they all things that you'd often notice issues? 
And if you look and you study, you'll find all the issues. And logically, almost, you should not have done it. But it, it finds favor. Where you live, your wife, your uh, purchases, you're happy with. I mean, this they tie this interesting to the Gomorrah with Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai argue, what happens, we know there's a mitzvah to praise the color before the bridegroom. What happens if she's ugly? That's the Gomorrah Sumer. So what did... Uh, they, they t- turns out he says no. You know, a husband's eyes, she's beautiful. So praise, uh, praise that. And it would be the same thing. A person that says the same thing with an eyes, you don't. Your friend comes and says, look at this beautiful suit I got, isn't it? And beautiful. And you look at it and you're like, it's uh, yellow with purple spots. Like, what, what are you thinking? You don't say it. You lie and say it's beautiful because he obviously uh, sees something in it. So that's uh, a idea that this chain advances. Elisha suffered three illnesses. One, because he incited the bears against the youngsters. And one is that he rejected, completely rejected. Literally, he pushed Gehazi away with two hands. And one is that he died. One illness that he died through. So interesting enough, the first two are for punishments. The third one's not a bad thing. This that someone gets ill before they die is in a way a bracha because you can prepare, you can uh, wrap up your, your affairs, you can prepare for your end. So that wasn't a punishment. The first two were. And it says, how do we know that he suffered these illnesses? He was sick from the illness that he died from. I, there was another illness that he had. I saw... Uh, um, Yeah, there's a lot to discuss in each of these, but as I, I don't know if you noticed, they are extremely long uh, daffim, so we're not going to have uh, time. A person should always push away with his left and bring close with his right. Not like Elisha who pushed away Gehazi with both hands, and not like Yeshua ben Pachi, and also pushed away one of his Talmidim with two hands. Um, what how do you got to? When you rebuke someone, when you're telling someone off, you've got to do it so sensitively that you slightly give them the rebuke, but much more you're embracing them and bringing them close. And I think um, the one day I remember, I heard recently a story in the name of the Chafetz Chaim. One of the Bochrim of his yeshiva were caught smoking, and he had to deal with him. So he goes up to him and he says, You're smoking on Shabbos, it's terrible. Um, whatever he dealt with, and the Bochrim was almost apologetic and not going to do it anymore. And he says, But you know, I can't let someone who smokes stay in the yeshiva. So the boy was like, I mean, he was destroyed. You know what he's going to do with himself, but he, like he understood. And the Chafetz Chaim says, But you know, you can come stay at me. And he let this Bokhul come stay at him and learned with him and stuff. But I'm just like, you see that pushing away with one hand, like there's what's appropriate, and now you have to cheat, but I'm not going to let you go. And then that's the approach. I heard also another beautiful idea I heard last night from Rav Rosny, the name of Rav Aaron Sonovechik. He says that, um, yeah, he says, the purpose of Tochacha, giving someone rebuke, is to elevate them. So if, you, if they step away after you've told them off, feeling down, you haven't given them, you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of Tochacha. They've got to feel, come away elevated from the Tochacha. And then he goes into a whole uh, explanation of how he, he says, people have a, what's it, a Anna and a Hagabra. They have, this is me and there's that man. He says, you notice in Shas when uh, they're speaking about something that, so one of their achievements, they say, I. And when they're speaking about a mistake or something, they speak about that man. And he says, everyone has that uh, dual thing that they're fighting with, within themselves, who they 
feel they are, who they aspire to be, where they want to be, and sadly where they straying and stuff. And he says that's what when you when you this is when you're pushing away, so you've got to try to push away a hookah for that man, but you've got to bring close to the under. You've got to elevate the who he wants to be at essence, who he uh, thinks he can be and, and help him through that. Um, obviously there's a lot of uh, Elisha Maihi, what's the story with Elisha that he pushed aside Gehazi so just the background is basically, oh, I forgot the name of the person Naaman had Soras and Elisha cured him and he offered to pay and give Elisha all wonderful things and Elisha says no don't worry, it was a miracle for you I'm not going to, I don't even want payments and he left and he's, uh, one of his students or he's almost his assistant traveled back and said, oh, Elisha changed your mind. Can you give, pay some of the money and some of the clothes and gifts that you promised? So, um, Naaman said to Gehazi, Hoyl, oh, please. Elisha's changed his mind. Please. It's written, um, Elisha said to Gehazi, he says, I never wanted you to go meet that man when he came riding out to us. If you've taken money, the Lokachas forgot him, and you've taken clothes, he did actually take some money and some clothes. You've taken all these rewards and gifts from Nama. Did Gehazi really take that much? All he took was money and clothes. So he says, Yeah, Omar Yitzchak, no, what's it an allusion to? At that time, Elisha was learning about the Shmona Shrotim. Either he was learning about the Shmona Shrotim or he was learning the Perikaj in Mazechet Shabbat Shmona Shrotim. Omar Lorish, Izetim Roshe, he gives little Schar Shmona Shrotim. You deserve to get the reward of the Shmona Shrotim, the Tsaras, Naman, Tidbak, Bacho, Vizarechal Oilam. And the Tsaras of Naman should attach itself to you and your descendants forever. They discuss, how could Elisha, it's one thing to say he deserves the Torahs, but why should it affect his children forever? So, um, oh, and then there's another positive, says, there were four men who had Torahs, and one of that was Gehazi and his three sons. They were sitting away. Now, after Elisha had done this, he went, he realized, oh, wait, I better try Makarev him. I've pushed him away, he's going off the derech. Let me go bring him back. Now it says that Elisha went to Damasek. Why did Elisha go to Damasek? He went to bring Gehazi back in Tshuva. But he would not return. He would not do Tshuva. He said return. Elisha said, I have a tradition from you. Anyone who sins and causes the public to sin, he does not have the... He will not be allowed to do tshuva. will not be able to do tshuva. My Ovat, what... How did Gehazi call the pub, cause people to sin? It says, One said he placed a magnet by the chattas of Yeruvam and it caused it to hover in the heavens so it looked like it had... So, yeah, better go back a step. Remember the kingdom of, of Yehuda and uh, Israel split? And Yeruvam, who was the king of Israel, set up idols on the way into Yerushalayim so that no Jews would go from the ten tribes would go into Yerushalayim because then they would uh, see the king of Yehuda read Hakel. And he set up this idol, and that was he got like all Jews to serve Avodah Zorah. Gehazi, according to this opinion, 
set up a thing on magnets and it hovered this idol and it gave it more a more spiritual uh, people thought it was godly and they served it that much more wholeheartedly that's one opinion of what he did that was wrong the Ikat Omri Another explanation is that he carved Hashem's name on it and that made it uh, speak. I'm Hashem your God and don't have other gods. And everyone uh, uh, thought, ah, oh, it's the calf speaking about itself. Another version. He stopped people learning before Elisha. As it's written. Where we're staying before you, it's too crowded. We see that up until that point, it was not crowded. And if you look in the context there, it was just after Gehazi left. Just after Gehazi left, all of a sudden, this, a few, I don't know, a few days, a few weeks later, the students come to Elisha and say, we're too cramped, the dorms are too crowded. So why? Because Gehazi used to stop people going in to learn by Elisha, and he deprived them of Torah. That's how he caused the public to sin. Now the Gemara goes on to the next story. Yeshua ben Prachia, Mahi, what's the case of Yeshua ben Prachia? So, when Yanai killed all the sages, we're not going to go into why now, but it's Gemara elsewhere, Yanai, the king, Killed all. I think he was a descendant of the Chashmonaim. Killed all the sages. Shimon ben Shetach atmenai achtei, and Shimon ben Shetach's sister hid him. Shimon ben Shetach was Yana's wife. Uh, Shimon ben Shetach's sister was Yana's wife. So she, the queen, was able to hide him, and. Uh, and that's what she did. Interesting enough, yeah, there are lots of stories of uh, Shimon ben Shetach almost saving the Jewish uh, the Chazal because, and the Jewish traditions because, remember, Yanai basically destroyed all the rabbis and he was kept alive. And Yeshua ben Prakhia fled to Alexandria of Mitzrayim. He, they were the Shimon ben Shetach and Yeshua ben Prachia were the Nasi and the head of the Sanhedrin. So they just lived. Ki have Shalma when when uh, it became peaceful. Shalach le Shimon ben Shetach, mani Yerushalayim from me in Yerushalayim, irakodesh the holy city. Lacha Alexandria shall mitraim to you in the city of Alexandria in mitraim. Achosi balu shori b'toich ani yosheves shameimah. You dwelling in. Um, you're dwelling in uh, Alexandria and I'm in Yerushalayim alone. Says Omar, so Rabbi Shemach, says, We see that there's peace. I can go back to Eretz Yisrael. Ki asa when he was traveling home, he stayed at the inn. Kom kamei bikra, shapir, and avdila yukra tuva. The host treated him with amazing honor and huge respect. Uh, they really treated Yeshua ben Brachia. They had the head of this... They had the head of the Jewish people stay in there. They gave him a huge respect and treated him very, very well. So Yosef, the Komishtaba, Kamanoach, San Yezus, he said, wow, look how wonderful the hostess is. Or Noeh can also mean beautiful. So Amalei Echon being Talmud of Rebi Eneho Trutos. So one of his students said to him, she's not that beautiful. Look at her eyes. They're a bit funny. So Amalei Rosha Bekacha to Oisek. What, you think that's what we're dealing with? He took out 400 shofars and he put them in Chayrim. 
I'm sure that's uh, not literal, but it means he very forcefully, he treated him very harshly and forcefully. Okay, and he was praising their actions. He was saying, look what a wonderful family you are, look how wonderful the hostess is, and Yeshua and the Talmud took it as he was speaking about her physical beauty. So you can imagine why he got so upset with his Talmud, it's totally inappropriate. Um, but that's what happened. Every day, this Talmud came before Yeshua ben Kabla and he did not accept his apology. Yumachad have a kori kriyashma and asal akaba have a batatala kubulay achvilay biyore. One time when Yeshua ben Prahi was saying shma, and on that day he had decided he's going to accept this Talmud back, but he was in the middle of kriyashma. So Achbe Biyore, he signaled, he signaled with his hand, and Sava Minchi And the Talmud thought he was pushing away. I guess he went something like this, like waved his hand, and, said, and he was saying, wait, wait. But so he says, wait, wait. And uh, the Talmud took it as he was sending him away. Also, Zakat Levincha and Palcha, he went and he set up a stone and he served it. Omalei Choyzeboch. And Rabbi Yeshua ben Palcha went to him and said, do tshuva. I have a tradition from you. Anyone who sins and causes the public to sin, causes many other people to sin, he does not. He's not allowed to do tshuva. To Omar Mar, as as Mar said, Kishayf. This is about this this Talmud. What did he do? Kishayf. He did sorcery. The hastes he incited. Uh, Jews to serve Avodah Zarah, and he motivated them to do Avodah Zarah, as Israel, he calls Ben Israel to sin. Tanya, Rabbi Shulman, Elazar, Oymer, Rabbi Shulman, Elazar says, oh, well, before we get to that, um, so this is Rabbi Shulman, Pachi, and uh, his Talmud, someone who say that this is uh, Jesus, but the problem with that is it's way too early. Uh, not way, it's too early. So there's all, some say that, no, there's another Yeshua, whose Talmud was Yeshu, with a similar story, there's different ways of reconciling it and understanding it. But obviously, um, obviously, there's a lot of depth to the story. What does it mean? He set up a stone. What, what does that sig? Uh, what does that? <coughs> what does that signify? Etc. All of these are deep ideas that, and never uh, I've heard a beautiful shear on it, uh, um, tying in the history with the thing. But it was also the approach that they, one of the things that it could be, is the approach that they had in that day, the, the harshness that they treated people that they didn't agree with, um, triggered, uh, uh, triggered the scenario where Jews uh, left and started, uh, and centuries later, or a while later, started other religions. But either way, it's very unlikely that this is actually uh, the story of the uh, Yeshu, because as I said, it's just that the timeline doesn't really line up. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon, and also Omer Rabbi Shimon says, Yaitse Tinok Veisha, so hey, small doich of Yomim Muskareves. I think he's saying, especially with the Yait Sahara, his wife and his woman, you have to push away with your left hand and bring close with your right hand. I treat them very, very carefully. Yaitse Tinok Veisha. Yeah, um, a child and a woman, we understand, they, uh, they're more sensitive. So if you speak harshly to them or deal harshly with them, they're going to uh, be very unhappy. Um, okay, next Mishnah.
So now we've discussed Egla Ruf and the often says Nimsa Hoiragan Shaloi Nerfoa Egla Taitsa Vitira Beeder. If you find the the murderer before breaking the neck, chopping the neck of the Egla Rufa, then you leave it to go join the flock. Aye, it's a regular animal. There's a big discussion that Rashi discusses that elsewhere we seem to say that it becomes forbidden with Hano. And the Rambam seems to pass it half half. It does become forbidden, it doesn't, so I don't want to go into that discussion now. But it seems there are at least two opinions, or it might be at different stages. But either way, our Mishnah says as long as you haven't yet chopped the neck, it's permitted by Hano, and you can let it go back to join the flock. Once you've broken, uh, chopped the neck of the animal, then it has to be buried where it was killed because it comes for a sofek anyway, kipra spaker, and it atones for the sofek for holcholo, and it's done its job. This is basically the same as any other eglarufa. You break its neck, and you kind of, maybe this is a good source for the Sefer Achilles, you kind of hope that the whole procedure will bring to light some, uh, some information that you missed, or some person that didn't realize what was going on, and he'll come forward with some information. But anyway, the whole thing is you bring the Egla Rufa out of uncertainty. So just because you, so you've done the whole procedure of the Egla Rufa, and then you find um, the murderer, it's no less than any other Egla Rufa. If you do find the murderer after the Egla Rufa, you still sentence him to death. I, he doesn't, the, the Egla Rufa doesn't atone for the murderer when you know who he is. It only atones for the city and the Jews when you don't know who the murderer is. If you have one witness saying, I saw the murderer, I know who the murderer is, and you have another witness saying, no, no chance you did. You have to establish how he, how he can verify that. But either way, he's confident that you did not see the witness. If you have one woman saying, I saw the, saw the murderer, and the other woman saying, you don't. Or you orphan, in those cases, you still break the neck of the animal because it's a sophic, or you don't listen to the testimony of the first one. And it says, Or you open If you have one witness saying, I saw the egg, I saw the murderer, and you have two witnesses saying, You did not see the murderer, they would break the neck. If you have two saying, We saw the murderer, we know the murderer is, and another two saying, You did not see the murderer, they would not break the neck of the animal because, again, you listen to the two witnesses. Now, when the murder, when murder increased, they cancelled the Egla Rufa. We'll see in the Mishnah, when Elozor ben Dinai and Tachina ben Prashia, others the same person, that's maybe what he was called, Chosrili Kroisa ben Kharsan, and in the end, actually called him son of a, the murderer's son. And basically, when there were well known murderers around, then they stopped doing the Egla Rufa because. You only do that Egla Rufa when you don't know who the murderer is. When you most likely know who the murderer is, even if it's one unreliable witness, or it seems circumstantial evidence, or some like they, they, you know who the murderers are in town, then you can't do the Egla Rufa anymore. Once we mention that point, when adulterers increased, they stopped doing the bitter waters. Uh, I won't test your daughters <coughs> I won't test your daughters 
I will, your daughters are uh, promiscuous and your daughter-in-laws commit adultery and therefore I'm not going to check them anymore. We'll see more in the Gemara what exactly that's referring to and isn't that counterintuitive? The more there is adultery, the more likely you're going to need the sotter waters. So that we'll address in the Gemara. Then it says, Misha Meis, Yosi ben Yoezer, excuse me, Yosi ben Yoezer, Yishraida ben Yosi ben Yoezer, Yishraida ben Yosi ben Yoezer, and Yosi ben Yehuda, Yoezer, died, Botlu Ashkolos, the Eshkolos were cancelled, Shenemar ain Eshkolechol, Bechoyra Epsom Afshah. The Eshkolos were the great sages who everything was clear to them. Up until that era, there were no Machloikes because they were able to see the whole picture of the Torah. They had a good tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu. And after them, things deteriorated, and that's where we start seeing. That's when the first Machlokes came in Bnei Yisrael. If you notice, Tad, you can look, go into what the significance is. But the first Machlokes mentioned, going back, is the Machlokes of whether you do smicha on an animal on Yom Tov. Remember, before you bring a korban, you lean on the animal. Do you do that on Yom Tov? That's the first Machlokes we know of. Um, and that happened in the days just after Yosi ben Yoezer is trained of Yosi ben Yudish Yerushalayim. Then it says Bechoyris. Then it says Vafu Botelas Amoirim. Rabbi Yochanan Mezaka also cancelled the Moirim, the Wakers, the Esanoikvin, and the Narkers. And we'll see what those are um, later on in the Gemara. Add your mouth or your potish makeb Yerushalayim. If your mouth ain't sorry, Lishol Alad. Until these days, you could hear you. Um, hammers beat in Yerushalayim. That was because um, I think hammers beating in Yerushalayim. Oh, the, on Cholamoyed because the, you're allowed to do work on Cholamoyed that causes a lo- that you will suffer a loss if you don't do it. So they were the blacksmiths were allowed to work on Cholamoyed, but then he decided no, it's too public. People aren't aware of that halach and they'll think you can do work on Cholamoyed. So he cancelled that. And you don't have to ask about the Mai because he made the Xerah that any time you buy produce from an Amoret, you have to separate Master. So you don't have to you don't have to ask your good friend, is there mass is that food the Mai have to set Master? Because you can take for granted that he has separated because that's the Takoda. Okay, How do we know that if you break the neck of the egg and then you discover the murderer, you, it doesn't exempt him, he still gets sentenced to death. It doesn't atone for the one who spilt the blood. We see that the only reason we don't believe the one witness who tells you they know who the murderer is is because the other witness contradicts them, implying that you do believe a single witness. Now that's novel. Generally in the Torah, how many witnesses do you require? Two. So this is a special case. Is the Torah Abolent. Lloyd Oda If they don't know who hit him. If someone knows who killed him. Even if it's one person on the opposite end of the world, you don't break the day. Interesting enough, even if you know the murderer, you're not necessarily, in most cases, you won't be allowed to testify against him as a single witness. So what's he actually telling them? He's telling them, you can trust me, I know who the killer was. Can't tell you his name, it's Lashon Hora, because that's, I'm a single witness. In many scenarios, that would be the halacha. Um, but still, again, the apostle kids, 
unless you know them, if, as uh, no one knows the murderer. As soon as someone knows the murderer, it seems maybe even if you very likely know who the murderer is, even if you're not 100% certain, then you don't do the Eglai Rufa anymore. Rabbi Akiva, I'm Rabbi Akiva, says, Mirai le Sanhedrin, Shiroi Echot, Charegas and Epesh, Vayimah Kiriv, Oysor Shiloh Yofren. How do you know that if the Sanhedrin sees someone kill, they just don't know who it is, it was too far or maybe too dark, but they saw the murderer, you don't break the neck of the animal. In this case, they did see. Remember, we learned this drasha totally differently yesterday. We said it means that we didn't see the victim off. We didn't do levia. So that's an interesting point. Then it says, Well, now that you've told me one witness is believed, how can the other one contradict him? A very interesting, we're going to see this now. But where the Torah, in rare cases, you might find the sugya very familiar. I actually remember when I, it was, it's a tricky sugya. We, it was the Shabbos I was giving shira. I don't normally give shira on the Shabbos, but it was the Shabbos I was giving shira. It was the end, and I got too distracted. I said, it's too tricky, let's leave it. So now we get to do it again together. But there, there it was regarding the Sota, because remember in the Sota, you also believe a single witness. Huge novelty that you believe a single witness, but here you also believe a single witness. So the t- same mechanics and the same discussion is going to go. Where the Torah tells us you can believe a single witness, Uli is going to say it's, that's as strong as two witnesses. So if subsequently a single witness comes and argues against them, well, that's a single witness. We only told to believe the single witness that he will kill. We don't believe the single. Uh, sorry, we believe the single witness that he did murder. We're not going to believe a single witness that he that uh, that he didn't see it. So so that's the question. Once you have one witness contradicting the one witness, you should believe the first witness. Wherever the Torah says believe a single witness, it's as if they're two. So you don't believe the second witness in place of two. So Ula says Yeah, it should teach they don't break the neck of the So correct the Mishnah from saying if one witness says he, they know the murder and one witness says you don't know the murderer, we would have, um, our Mishnah says you do break the neck. They're editing it to say you don't break the neck because it says you accept the testimony of the one witness, but you're not ex- who says that he did, but not the other witness. There's a very big Omar Tanei Rabbi Chia says, no, you do break the neck of the animal. Rabbi Chia, catch it to Ula, but wait, what about Ula's question? That when, when the Torah says believe one witness, it says if they're two witnesses. Our mission is where they come at the same time. I say, if you have two witnesses coming together, one saying he killed and one saying you did not see him kill. One says, I know the, victim, the murderer, and the other one says, not a chance, you don't know the murderer. Well, then, um, then the first testimony never gets off the ground. So that's why you're not going to believe. But where they come one after the other, one witness says, says I saw the murderer. And he's just verified. Then we accept it. And when later on a single witness comes and says, "There's no chance you saw the murderer," we, we dismiss it. So comes that's what the difference is. But we learned in our Mishnah, If one witness says, "I saw the murderer," and two say, "You did not see the murderer," you break the eglarufa. That implies that if there was one saying you did and one saying you didn't see the murderer, um, you don't break it. Okay, because it says only when there are two witnesses saying you did it. We see we don't believe this. 
So Tiyufta de Rabfia, that seems to reject Rabfia. Oh, Le Tamech, I'm a safer way, but according to the way you're learning the Mishnah, what about the next clause? It says, Shtayim Oimrim Ro'inu, Ba'id Echor Oimer Lo'inu. Two said, We saw the murderer, and one said, You could not have seen the murderer. Lo, you orphan, they would not break it. Ho, Chad, Bechad, Ho, you orphan. Well, then that implies if there's one uh, one witness saying you, they did see it and one witness saying you could not have seen it, then you would break the neck. So if you're going to be medaic in the Mishnah, you're going to come out with opposite. So that can't be pshat in the Mishnah. So what's pshat in the Mishnah? The Mishnah is dealing with invalid edim. We're going to say... Okay, we have the rule. When the Torah says believe a single witness, that's even a witness who is a woman or someone who's normal, a slave or someone like that, who normally doesn't qualify as a witness. Um, <coughs> um, so that's, that's the principle. So generally, if a woman says, I saw the murderer, we would believe her. And our mission, which says there are two witnesses coming against a single witness, is where we're dealing with these invalid witnesses. Even though the Torah says believe them, it has a slightly different working to when they're valid witnesses. Because Rabbi Nachemia is Rabbi Nachemia taught. To Omar he said, Wherever the Torah says you can believe a single witness, you go after a majority of opinions. And they made two women against a single man, like two, two men against a single man. I, very interesting. When you're dealing with these invalid Adim, you always follow the majority. What's the halacha when you're dealing with valid Adim, Gavin? You follow... Two. As soon as you have two, it makes no difference whether it's two versus a hundred, two versus a thousand, two versus two. It's the same thing. Two. But we say that when it's possible Adim, like it's a case where we believe women, well then you go after the majority. So if it's two verse one, then you follow the two. If it's six verse three, you follow the six. That's Rabbi Nachemian's principle when you're dealing with these apostle Adim. Or who, who are apostle in most cases, as we said in this way. It says, V'ika to Omri, some have a slightly different version. So, so that's our Mishnah. When we have two witnesses versus one witness, we're going to believe the two because we're dealing with apostle Adim. So if you have one witness saying, I saw the murderer, and two witnesses saying, you did not see the murderer, it's as if no one saw the murderer, and therefore... You would break the egla, you would do the egla rufa. If two witnesses say we saw the murderer, one said you did not see the murderer. Well, then we listen to the two that we know who the murderer is, and you're not going to break the neck of the egla. <coughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. That's where we're dealing with a case that requires, that has kosher adim. This is a case where the Torah tells us you believe invalid adim, woman or a slave or someone like that. And since we are allowed to believe invalid Adim, in that scenario, when it's invalid Adim versus invalid Adim, you go after the majority. Not, again, that's what I was highlighting, not the regular rule of Adim, that once you have two, it's verified. The Ikad the Omri call it's a it's a tricky tricky piece. The Ikad the Omri call Heicha the Asa Eid Echod Kosher Beikara Afilu Bei Anoshim Ki Echod Abia. There's another version that as soon as you have one kosher witness. Oh, so you have a man who's a valid witness and he testifies and his testimony is accepted if subsequently even a hundred women come it's like one person so it's as if you have so you have one kosher witness who in this case is like two witnesses because by the Egla Rufa we believe a single witness and even though it's a hundred women arguing with him or a hundred slaves arguing with him we don't believe them 
understand our Mishnah? The woman is the first one to witness. You'll explain the Mishnah according to Rabbi Nechemia as follows. Rabbi Nechemia, Wherever the Torah says, believe one witness, you follow the majority opinion, the majority of Aiden. And two women are like two men against two women against a single woman are like two men against a single man this is the important point because this is the cases of our Mishnah if you have two women against a man now the man is 100% a kosher witness it's like 50-50 so then why do I need two cases to teach us we taught a case of two women versus one man uh, one in a case where they were saying, he said, I know who the murderers are, and one in a case where they said, we know who the murderer was. There's no matter, Tame Kiel's in about the Rob Dales. Where is this that you follow majority of opinion? Look, Hobra, to go strict up a Lakula law. You might have thought that you don't follow the majority of opinion to go, le- to go lead it. And Kamash Malan, that we always follow the majority of opinion in this scenario. Okay, so the basic rules, again. There's a different, in the case where the Torah says you believe a single witness, there's different mechanics to the normal rules of Eidos. Because as soon as you have one witness, then it's as if you have two witnesses. So one witness against him is not like a one-on-one. And then there's, but however, there is a difference in opinions if it's, if the first witness is a valid witness, like a, a man who's a kosher aide, or if the first witness is a woman or a slave, a non-kosher aide. Okay, let's carry Mishraim. So we mentioned when the, when murders increased, became more common, then they stopped the Egle Arufa. And we're going to go through a whole long uh, piece on different um, majorities. Like, sorry, when this increased in the world, this was a ramification. That's what we're going to do now. So, because you only bring the Egla Rufa on a Sofak. So, when mergers were more public, they came from the Egla Rufa. Because basically, all murders were, they knew who the murderer was. Mishirabu Anoitim, we mentioned when adultery increased, they, um, when adultery increased, they cancelled the sort of water. So, the man must be cleared from sin. The waters only work to check the wife when the man hasn't done any avarice. When the man has done avarice, for example, he's committed adultery or slept with someone else who he's not allowed to be with, the waters won't check his wife. So that's now you can start to understand. If you're living in a very promiscuous society, the waters are unlikely to work because the husband was probably also unfaithful. And not only that, but I will not check the waters because your daughters are also promiscuous. He says, my boy, what's it adding? Says the key time of the day in Maybe you'll say that only his affair makes the water not work, but if his children are promiscuous and adulterous, the water will still check his wife. So, No, when your daughters are promiscuous and, commit, and your daughter-in-laws commit adultery, etc., I will not, the waters won't work. Now, this is quite, uh, yeah, let's just be 
in Avon the Pruilo. Maybe this is only where it's adultery, a very severe Avera, but like less severe Averas would we would not say. Says Toshma, Kamenia says, Ki heim am haznus yifrodu, va am hakadeshos yizbuchu. Uh, don't want to go into uh, yeah. So um, basically, they're a nation of sinners, and even just for Znus and Kadeshos, Kadeshos are prostitutes. They're different. Understanding in the Chumash, basically, a woman who is uh, frees herself to any man. Our understanding of a prostitute is so we see the prostitute saying, even if they're just acting like uh, prostitutes then the mortars won't work. It's a continuation of the above passage. There are a few interesting questions on this. One is that, first, Rashi earlier said the waters won't work if he sins with him. Remember, as soon as his wife becomes a soiter, even though it's a doubt whether she committed adultery or not, he's not allowed to be with her. And that's the only Avera. If he sleeps with her, then the waters won't check her. But if he's immoral in another way, it will still work. That's Rashi earlier, so that's one question. Another question is, the Chumash implies that the only if he sins... Okay, so maybe we can expand it past what Rashi says. If he's immoral, the waters won't check his wife. Immoral in any way. And the Novi comes and says that it's even if his children... How can the Novi just extend it? We generally say the Novi can't create halachas. So that's... Uh, um, you know, those were two questions I'm not sure the answer to them but I thought they are very interesting questions something just to keep in mind in general when you learn a Novi can't argue with the Chumash with Moshe's prophecy ok fine sorry I'm going to try and go a bit further because tomorrow is no shorter so uh, and what does the continuation of the Apostle say when it says and a nation who doesn't understand will stumble so Omer be Eloz or Omer Lehem Novi Lishol the Novi said to Yisrael, My boy, if you're particular with yourselves, the water will investigate for him. If not, it won't work. And again, the waters, the difficulty here is the waters have a help uh, in regards to issues of promiscuity and stuff. Like we've just explained, even though it's counterintuitive, you think the more promiscuity there is, the more important the more you need uh, the, the sort of water, the less likely it will work if the whole society is uh, immoral, promiscuous and immoral. So therefore you cancel it. Now we carry on. When the Bale Hano'o increased. I people who enjoyed pleasure over difficulty. So when people who enjoyed pleasure over difficulty increased, judgment started to get perverted and actions became crooked and there was no place for Hashem to rest in the world. Rashi explains as follows, the Moshe Bale since they were so interested in Hano, in, uh, in, jo- in uh, comfort, they wanted comfort. They didn't apply themselves and go to the full effort to understand the halacha. If someone comes and asks you a halacha question or you're faced with a court case, you've got to put in a lot of examination and make sure you're doing it properly. And they, you know, it's like, it's too difficult. They, they felt it was too difficult. So they weren't prepared. Similarly, when you're paskening regarding Ishmaeta, you know, someone comes and asks you a question in there regarding the kitchen, so you can say, ah, no, 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 like give a simple answer. You can think about it carefully. And if, you, if you're too into your comforts, then you're not going to apply yourself properly. And therefore, everyone ends up doing bad because the, 
rabbis are paskening wrong. So you're going to end when you practice kashras in your kitchen or you have a court case and you take money, it's going to be wrong. And that's uh, and therefore Hashem doesn't enjoy the world anymore. Mishirabu roi padim badin when uh, those who showed favor in judgment it counseled this concept of don't, show, don't be afraid of any man a judge has a hard case no matter who's coming to the court case you have to stand up straight whether they're the wealthiest most powerful guy you have to you're not supposed to be afraid or um, and also you're not allowed to show favor in judgment but when people started, uh, what's it, Roy Ponin, acting uh, friendly to oh, how's it my friend? Uh, da, da, da. In court cases, you can see how that can ruin everything. And it ruins, take away all boss of a dumb, and they were now suffering, they now had to suffer the Roman rulership. With those who would speak it, someone would say that's like lawyers because they like give you sly advice to get out of or to you know get what you want. So that's Lothay Lachishos Bedim. Rabbi Charon after Yisrael and Estalka Ashkina, Hashem grew angry against Bnei Yisrael and the Shkina departed. Mishum Shemar as the pasuk says, Bekerev Elohim Yishpot. Hashem is in judgment when it's when judgment is distorted. Hashem leaves. When those who follow the pleasure of their hearts, that's when it increased people who said what was bad is good and what is good is bad. When those people increased, it increased those who have to say, whoa. So this is the deterioration of society. And then things start happening, and you're saying, "Oh no, oh no, things are getting bad." When those who are prepared to spit fire, act arrogantly, disregard other people. You know, walking around in public just spitting—that's totally insensitive. So those at increased arrogant people. The students become few, and the Torah is looking for those to learn it. When the arrogant increased, then Jewish girls start burying the arrogant. Because the generation starts only seeing what's on the surface. Be very sadly, you can see how this is excited. People very caught up in you know, it looks and appearance and superficial things. Any, you telling me that women are going to be fooled by arrogance and marry these men who are arrogant? Says Anyone who's arrogant, even the people of his house, even his wife won't tolerate him. As the Apostle says, He says, no, At first, the woman will jump to marry this guy. He's all arrogant. He puts on a good show, so the woman will jump to marry him. And then she becomes disgusting to her. <coughs> when the judges start doing business with uh, people in town, then bribes and distorted judgment to poskotoiva and good ends. 
When judges who accept favors and acknowledge that they owe favors to people, that's when you reach a case in society which each person does what they want. The lowly get elevated to prominence, and the prominent get, and the, those who are really high get lowered. And the monarchy deteriorates. When the mazali and the robbers increase, the hard-hearted and the and people close their hand from lending money for Avraham Masha Kosov the Torah and it transgresses what is written in the Torah. Hishomer Lacha Pen, etc. The Torah says Hishomer Lacha Ben Be careful that there isn't these disgusting things in your eyes, people who won't lend money. Bliyal is quite a strong word to Jesus, has connotations of Avodah People who hold their hand and won't put Zedok or lend money, they're Bliyal. It's total. Um, uh, rotten society. When people who are very, these are like uh, women who walk in a very, uh, what's it, show offy way, uh, flirtatious way. You, there's more need for the bitter waters, for the soto waters. However, they cancelled the soto water. This matter, when people started accepting gifts commonly, people's age, when people laugh deteriorated, and laugh length deteriorated. As the Possek says, those who hate gifts will live. When arrogant scholars increase, that's when machloikes increases. When you can't tolerate, when you can't be humble and discuss something and accept when you're wrong, then it says, When the students of Shama and Hillel increased and they didn't apply themselves properly to learning the Gemara from Hillel the Shammai, Rabbi Machloikas be Yisrael, but also Torahs, Kishlai Torahs, Machloikas increased in Yisrael, and it was like there were two Torahs. And that's why, that's why we needed a basketball, and that's why Hazal, you see, are so strict with, between when you follow Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai that you're never allowed to follow the other one. Because at that point, there was a huge rift in Bnei Yisrael. It was like there were two different Torahs. This was all led to their lack of a of applying themselves to learning from Hilal Vashamai correctly. When those who accepted Tzedakah from non-Jews increased, then Yisrael was above and the non-Jews were below, Yisrael were in front and the non-Jews were behind, but that's obviously said backwards almost as a euphemism. That's when B'nai Yisrael were really at the bottom. Okay, I think we better leave it here for today. Have a very good uh, day.